it's an idol of marriage, right? So, so you really should be having close friendships with people of the same sex. And that's the way human, human beings have organized themselves since the beginning. And this whole idea that your wife or your husband should be your friend is just, you know. Well, not, just, not the very beginning. Wait, wait, not exactly. <laughs> Welcome to the Stand Firm Podcast. I'm Nick Lannon of Grace Anglican Church in Louisville, Kentucky, and I am here today with Matt Kennedy of the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd in Binghamton, New York, and J.D. Koch of St. Luke's Anglican Church in Hilton Head, South Carolina. How are you guys doing? Excellent. Yeah, doing well, Nick. Thanks. So my basement is a construction zone at the moment. I'm podcasting from one of my kids' rooms, and man, Kids are gross. Are your kids gross? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you find food. Kleenex all, everywhere like, and Nerf bullets. And it's just a madhouse. Yeah, I mean, at some point you just, like you say, okay, I'm not going to go in there. I'm just going <laughs> I'm, to. It I'm doesn't encroach into the rest of the house. Territory though. to the enemy. And I'm just going to go. I'll probably make a picture line outside their door. So. Yeah, it's the ground in food and like random places. It's really... Um, quite disturbing and we I, we bought a new car we, we both have minivans now which i'm just sort of uh, yeah resigned myself to that uh, which is great but um but the third know, row the third row that's right no it's, <laughs> it's, the, it's the automatic doors that's the key uh, it's like you know awesome. i remember and the automatic lift gate i remember when i saw that advertised i was like what sort of lazy bum would have to have an automatic <laughs> now i'm like you have to I open it with your own hands distance <laughs> <laughs> and so i um no but i i was we bought this um it, it was this amazing thing because of the upside down economy we're in my used car was was worth more than i bought it for and so wow. i was just sort of i was randomly on auto trader one day and i was like you know value your car and it was like you know ten thousand dollars more than i paid for it so i was like well let's upgrade to a bigger car and got a a, a, a minivan that i tried to keep clean for like <laughs> a week yeah. i was like this is gonna be i bought the fancy floor mats and everything and then <laughs> I just gave up and was like, okay, the, the driver's the passenger seats will be clean. And like everything behind this screen, you know, it's well, like I can the, reach the second row, but the yeah. third row where the one kid yeah. is like yeah. ensconced in her nest <laughs> of <laughs> disgusting. It's gross. I want to get one of those little divider curtains. Like, in the first class. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that Jerry Seinfeld thing when he was like, when I mean, it's such so uh, pompous when they closed the curtain, like if you had just worked harder, you could have, you know, gotten by anyway. So yeah, pretty gross. <clears throat> Well, the big news in evangelicalism this week is Matt Chandler. Uh, Chandler is the senior pastor at the Village Church in Texas and president of the Acts 29 Network, and apparently uh, was having an inappropriate, though allegedly not romantic or sexual, online relationship via Instagram direct messages with a married woman. Her husband, we're told, knew about this. His wife knew about it, too. But the elders at Village Church found it to be unwise, foolish talk, and coarse joking, the adjectives were, were told. Uh, so this brings up one of the pieces of received wisdom from our elders, in this case, the Billy Graham rule, in which a man should not be alone in private with a woman who is not his wife. Now, obviously, the existence of the internet expands the meaning of private from Billy Graham's time, but... Even this received wisdom has come into question, like basically everything that was ever considered wise before five minutes ago. Is it actually healthy? Does it protect women or oppress them? Does it protect men 
or allow them to view women as dangerous Delilahs out to wreck their ministries. What do you guys think of the Billy Graham rule and do you practice it or some version of it? It's interesting that the, uh, the dichotomy that's always often drawn, it's, it's either uh, you believe that all women are out to seduce you or you're, or you yourself are just going to be so overcome by lust that you can't stop yourself. That's, that's the one side. Um, or you love, respect and love women. <laughs> there's no, there's, there's no in between, no in between there, uh, which I find often, I find mind boggling. I mean, it, I think I was reading Twitter, uh, scrolling through Twitter the other day and someone, I, I wish I remember who it was, but said that what we're seeing, what the Billy Graham rule really was and is, is just the old fashioned virtue of prudence. Right, it's, it's, right. Your, your, wisdom exactly exactly it's, it's why you have a not, window in your office door it's not that the people who follow the billy graham rule think that women are all vixens or that men are all you know just trying to have sexual relationships with everybody they meet but it is it, it's it's a recognition of reality that when men and women are meeting together alone it's it's a very it's very possible and not i would, I would say not uncommon that one or the other begin to have feelings beyond just friendship for the other. I mean, they're, they're psychi psychiatry has a name for this, this is, is transference. And it's super common for, for, psych for counselors to have begin to have feelings with their counselees and vice versa. That's, that happens all the time. And then there's certain safeguards that counselors put in, put in place there. But I would say that when, it, when that happens in a pastoral relationship, it's even more fraught because of this, because of the pastoral relationship and there aren't the safeguards that, uh, that counselors have. So I think the people who are following the, the, the Billy Graham rule are are doing so because they're they're trying to exercise prudence. I don't think it's an insult toward women. I hear people. I hear the argument that some people make that uh, that doing so will inhibit women's opportunity to have access to certain areas of ministry or the church or whatever it might be. That might be the case um, in some cases. I can see that happening like in a small church, perhaps. But there's not a women's minister ministry going on but at the same time i think that sometimes that tension is necessary you have to, uh, i think i err on the side of caution and prudence um in those cases now i personally i'll, I'll be honest i don't i don't i don't follow the billy graham rule i'll, I'll talk I'll, i'll meet with a woman one-on-one -on -one, usually in a public place um and i'll have conversations with them i do let ann know everything it's said and she sees everyone she sees everything we have access to each other's social media accounts and messaging and all that kind of stuff. So there's no, there's no secrets, but I, I just never have done that. Um, and I'm not sure exactly why, I, but I think it's a, I think it's a prudent thing to do. Does the um, Billy yeah. Graham rule as written, I mean, it's, I know it's not written anywhere, but does it include public? I think a one-on-one -on -one in public. I, I think there is. Okay. So I guess it depends on who you're talking to, but as, as I understand the Billy Graham rule, you don't ever meet one-on-one -on -one with a woman period uh in private definitely oh, oh. um but even in i think i, I think even I, maybe i remember incorrectly but i believe billy graham said that he wouldn't even go out on a you know to lunch with a woman without his I, wife there just i think did. you're right so for the, sure. the the seeming impropriety of it somebody might see you out with a woman and wonder what you're doing right you know it's all kind of interesting with with i was i don't think we should speculate too much about this because we don't have a lot, enough information but if what the village church put out is is the whole truth and it's odd that there's any kind of disciplinary measures going on i mean if matt chandler and this woman were having a, a, a private message conversation that i guess 
this incident, of course, talk, I can see the elder saying, hey, stop it. Right. right. But, but he's been he, he, and him saying, OK, but then going uh, the extended leave of absence I mean, there's some strange things about yeah, that. And was, but, and was the yeah. course, was it was it particularly inappropriate just because it was course talk with a woman or was it? I mean, because I would imagine like if I was if I had a bunch of, you know, if, if I was renowned for being like the, the dirty joke texture guy or something like I think that would be a, a cause of concern. You know, if it was. It, yeah. Uh, if there was I don't, like again, that, I don't know if that's what it was. But like, it was all speculation. Yeah. I, I did. I did watch the apology and I was heartbroken. Yeah. You know, it was it was, you know, when he talked about being embarrassed and, you know, uh, disappoint his wife and children. And I but it, it was heartbreaking for me. But at the same time, I was thinking, you know, just what you said, if if there wasn't anything sexual, if there wasn't anything that would have been disqualifying, then what, what are we talking about? And, and what does that mean for the rest of us? You know, that's what I was thinking, like what, what sort of new, new level of, or just like another thing to be anxious about, you know, I yeah. mean, again, I don't have a lot of, I don't have a lot of, I don't even know I have an Instagram account. I think I have one. I don't know how to use a DM. I don't know what to slide into a DM means. <laughs> Um, but I know sounds, but I, but that's right. That's right. It's like, and, um, but I do, um, I am aware of the function and like the ability to tweet and, uh, private message and things like this. I don't use, use it in any way, you know, my own life with men, much less women. But you could just as well email somebody. Well, that's what I was saying. You know, actually I was, and, and we do text a lot, like just in terms of like office dynamics with, you know, various people working here and parish administrators and stuff. Yeah. And all of a sudden I'm like, is this inappropriate? Like, I'm, you know, could you please turn down the air conditioner in the parish hall? Like, is that some sort of, you know, going to get us in trouble at some point? And, and I, um, so I don't know. I, I think it was, it's, I, again, I, I agree with you, Matt, like it's no good speculating. And I, well, obviously we, we pray for the whole situation and I have no joy. And I, I, for the most part, like, and respect Matt and hope that um, he comes back from this. You know, I hope it's not like one of these devastating uh, career milestones, but nevertheless, you know, the broader conversation, uh, as you said in the opening, Nick, um, brings up the, the, the whole question of wisdom about men and women, you know, which gets back to even deeper question, which we have often addressed, which is this societal rejection of thousands of years of uh, wisdom about the interplay of men and women, not just sexually, but emotionally and, and relationally and all the various levels. And there has been a concerted effort not to, to not just uh, ignore that, but actually try to deny and reverse it. And then when things happen, which hey, have always happened, I mean, not in every case, but in many cases that would have, would have been prevented by certain assumptions in the past, like the fact that if you're a married man, you probably shouldn't have close uh, friendships with other women other than your wife. Like that's just sort of a, a was a given um, for all of the reasons that everyone knew that you would become emotionally attached, that you would have an intimacy that was that would build in a way that you were not able to express in all of its fullness, the same way that you could in marriage. You know that you would have um, you would have a lack of trust uh, with respect to what was shared or not shared amongst your wife and then your then your you know your your coworkers or your friend and, and on down the line. And so we have people who out of hand reject any discussion about whether or not it's even prudent for men and women to have close friendships if they're married um, outside of Christianity. There's just a direct rejection of that. And we see what takes place, which is, you know, basically what uh, Tinder and Bumble and, you know, that's that's how that's playing itself out. Uh, but in the Christian context, you know, we've we've talked about this before, but there are books written about and just to your point, Matt, sort of shaming men 
who um, try to hold something to the Billy Graham rule. And then at the same time, when it turns out when a man has a friend um, who is in totally open about it with his wife and her husband and treats her evidently the way that he treats a friend with joking and, and right, right. Uh, then that's inappropriate. And so I don't, it, it's, it really is, a, it really is a, um, a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation here. And I, um, you know, I, I, I don't think that um, it, it will, let's put it this way, none of these harping, shaming books that are trying to convince me that there's no, that there's nothing wrong with a married man having deep, uh, you know, intimate non-sexual relationships with other uh, women. None of those books have, have moved my sort of opinion <laughs> uh, <laughs> one degree. Uh, I'm happy to continue to, at the very least, emotionally follow some version of the Billy Graham rule, if not practically. I'm like you. You know, I, I find myself in situations where I have to have a meeting um, in an office setting. You know, we have a bunch of windows and things and, you know, or, or various um, uh, coffees or lunches, perhaps. But I'm cautious and I'm aware of, um, you know, all of the possible pitfalls, even even just the appearance, you know, the appearance and I'm aware of that. And I don't know, you know, maybe I've uh, been too cautious at times and incautious at others. And so I'm grateful that, you know, I'm, I have an ongoing dialogue with Liza about all of my relationships in general. Uh, and, you know, to the extent that it's appropriate with even pastoral ones, at, at the very least, like who am I meeting with, where and, and, you know, what, how long and things like this. And, you know, that's been 20 years now. And um, so far, so good. But I certainly am not looking to to change the the bring the the concern level down in any way. I mean, I think, you know, there's an, an abundance of caution. You know, you actually can can avoid some of these uh, appearances of impropriety, you know, that Matt Chandler got. I mean, I, I thank God that no one's intimating that it was something more, yeah. you know. And, well, plenty and, of people are intimating that. They're like, this uh, is just what you it know, has to be more. Right? Somebody will only ever admit to the bare minimum of what they've been caught at. And as soon as they have to admit more, they will. I actually wanted to ask you guys about the idea of friendship. I know that we are called in scripture, brothers and sisters in Christ. And I noticed in the statement on the village church's website, which I read, but don't have up in front of me right now, they specifically say that they are a church that affirms male, female friendship very clearly it's right there. And I want to ask you guys, is there a biblical way to think about friendship as opposed to acquaintances? Because I have friends, my wife and I have friends who are couples, and I would consider myself friends with the wife of that other couple, but I'm really only friends in the context of our relationship as a whole. And I, I don't remember who it was, but somebody wrote one of these long tweet threads about how Actually, that's an acquaintance. Like you know them, you'll help them move, you'll hang out with them, but they're not your friend. They're not your friend. They're a friend of the family. They're an acquaintance. And is there any sort of biblical way to think about what it means to be a brother and sister in Christ with somebody that you're not married to? So that's a that's a great question. And I, I think, uh, well, several things are swinging around in my mind. I, I revoice 21 last year. Uh, there were a number of talkers, number of speakers um, at Revoice who were suggesting talkers. talkers. That's, that's a better word, isn't it? Talkers. Um, but they were they were suggesting that the idea that a husband and wife should be one another's best friend 
is is something totally new and alien to uh, that's an idol that's an idol of marriage yeah that's- it's an idol of marriage right so so you really should be having close friendships with people in the same sex and that's the way human human beings have organized themselves since the beginning and, and this whole idea that your wife or your husband should be your friend is just you know well, you, not not the very beginning Right, right, that, exactly. That's 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 that, there's there's we're coming to the, the nub of it. So when you're a single man or a single woman, I think the opportunities for friendship with the opposite opposite sex are more mm-hmm. um, are more varied, and you can actually have, I believe, a, a close friendship. Although having said that, in my experience as a single man, I I know of very very few of those friendships that didn't. Either develop one person on one one right, or one way. I mean, Ryan, crash. Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds, and just uh, friends, you know, answered this for us. Uh, you know, we know for a fact <laughs> that one of the two is is going to be eventually, if if it persists and you grow yeah. in levels of intimacy, well, that's then the there's the obvious next step, which right. God has intended, is that yeah. you would become fully intimate in that's the context of marriage. That's the intended point of that's right. That's of right. opposite sex sex single friendship is to yeah. see if this person is your future spouse which is why once well, you get married then then there's the the need for an intimate friendship with someone of the opposite sex is no longer there and what you need to do is develop that kind of relationship with your wife your husband that's uh, the, the the argument that that hasn't been done throughout the history of human civilization well okay let's just assume that's true i don't think it's true but let's assume it is true that doesn't do away with the biblical model that we're given in Genesis one and two, where these, where this woman's taken out of this man's body and joined together with him bodily. There's, there's no way you tell me that that's not supposed to be the most intimate relationship you have with anybody else on this earth. That she is your best friend. He is your best friend. And if you, if you feel like you have to go and talk to someone else outside your marriage in order to have friendship need met, then I would say the problem is really inside the marriage. You need to, there's, there's some things that have happened to change that. You should not be looking for other intimate partners. Whether I'm not talking sexual intimacy, I'm talking about intimate like friendship intimacy. You should not be out there looking for other partners in, in friendship who can meet that need for you of the opposite sex. That's, that's not, marriage is given by God for that purpose in particular. Is there an intimate, need that can be met by a friend of the same sex that you can't find yeah i was i was about to say that yeah yeah because i think that we we shouldn't diminish the power and the need and the the necessity for that matter um of same-sex deep friendships you know david and jonathan being sort of biblically one of the biggest examples of that um but you know i think i think that there is a camaraderie aspect there's a there's a sort of uh there is an aspect of being a man or a woman that is unique um that can be shared only by another man or another woman i think that this that's perfectly healthy and natural but when you become one flesh you know when you have a, a husband and wife well then i think you know to to divide that intimacy with either another man or another woman in terms of a depth of like going beyond acquaintance, you know, Nick, but something where you're genuinely sharing your burdens and your life to a, to a degree that you possibly aren't even sharing with your own spouse. I mean, that's just down the line, an unhealthy description. And, and of course we've seen it now. I mean, how many, in fact, I'm not sure there's, there's ever been an instance in my personal experience of someone who has had an affair 
uh, or, or an adultery uh, or divorce that hasn't had some sort of beginning with a um, seemingly innocuous sort of, you know, friendship, you know, like I really liked hanging out after the soccer game with the, my friends, my kid's coach, you know, and he, he really, you know, and I, and, or, I mean, for instance, or he down really the line, me. Yeah. yeah, or like she really, you know, I've never been understood like this before. Like she really, you know, she's opened up a level of insight in my life that I've never really experienced. I mean, if you've heard it, I've heard it. Like I've sat and listened to this and I'm sitting there saying, well, now we're way down the line here. You know, I mean, I'm not saying that's, that's possibly true. You know, I mean, people get people different levels in different uh, ways. And, um, you know, I'm not even going to disagree with you say that like you have a level of, you know, love or, or, or there's a fire to life now that you've never experienced. Like that's, that's all that may be true, but it doesn't make it right. And this is, this was in the beginning, one of the warning signs had you at least acknowledged it or been aware of it, perhaps your same sex friends, you know, your, your counselor, or your accountability group, or your pastor or whatever would have said, Hey, you seem to be spending too much time with that person. Or you'd seem to be giving me only stories about, you know, Frank and your boss at work. Like what's up with your husband? Like, where's he, you know, whatever the case is, then we could, we might've been able to do something, but it's almost always the case that by the time it gets to that level, you know, the heart wants what it wants. And, you know, the fallen heart and the deceitful heart is, is easily swayed and, um, and, and uh, swayed, excuse me. And going back to the Billy Graham rule, that's what we are uh, aware of is how easily, how, how deeply fallen, not just men are, but men and women, how easily we can convince ourselves that what our heart desires, that our, our mind justifies, right? And we're, we're protective of that, not for the sake of, of being some sort of uh, unleashed predator, but it's because, it's because in, the, in the deceitfulness of our hearts, in the blindness of our sin, in the, the lusts of the flesh, the eyes, and the pride of life, as Sir John says, we are aware of the fact that we could inadvertently or just outright hurt the ones that we have professed to um, lay down our lives for, namely our wives and family. And so I, I, I have no time at all for people that mock the Billy Graham rule. I think that obviously you can be legalistic about anything, you know, I mean, you can, you know, you can turn anything into a something strange and, and strident, but the heart behind it, I think, uh, particularly in Billy Graham's actual case where he was like a, you know, handsome, um, you know, powerful speaking kind of celebrity. I mean, I mean, I wonder what could go wrong there. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, it's like, it's like, hey, let's get a band together and go turn 20 and make $10 million and move to L.A. Like what could go wrong? You know, it's like, like the story of every behind the music, like the story of every rock star and celebrity yeah. the same. And so Billy Graham was one of the few that avoided it. I mean, the, the, and praise I, God. I want to go back to the same sex friendship again. Anne's parents, most of you know, grew up in, or Anne grew up with her parents in Mali, West Africa, in a, a very remote village called Barakala. And one of the first things that happened to her father when they moved there, and Anne was like, you know, three or four, maybe younger, the village assigned her father a friend, a, a male friend. And it took a while to figure out what was going on, but it, but basically they said, oh, he must be horribly lonely. All he has is, I mean, it's just, he has, he has to talk to his wife all the time. And so he, he should have, he has to have someone who can actually talk to, which obviously would be a man because the woman is just not, not someone he wants to relate to. And, and, and over time, the fact, the, the, the village where they lived, everyone was, was really freaked out by the fact that Anne's father and her mother seemed to really have a, a real friendship that that was just not done 
you you had friendships with people of your same sex. You married some of the opposite sex, but you even then the marriage wasn't an intimate thing. It was a baby thing. Let's have babies. And then you had lovers on the side. Everyone knew that. That was that's the way it was in the village. You just had you you pick someone you had a romantic relationship with outside of your marriage, but your marriage was for babies. And and so but even your romantic relationship on the side wasn't a friendship. Your you really only friendship should only ever be with people of the same sex. Um, and and a whole the whole society was really dysfunctional because of that, right? Because 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 marriage has become this kind of financial kind of this, this kind of contractual uh, relationship. Your your only friendships with people of the same sex. Your only intimacy was uh, was with only 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 relational intimacy was with with people of the same sex. You had none with the opposite sex. And that's actually, you know, the, the, that's that's the model that we're we're given by some of the revoice folks and other on the, on the kind of woke side for human relationships. Is that is that you know we should make an idol of marriage. We should have our closest intimacies with people of the same sex outside the marriage. It's really strange in human history for us to have a have a tight knit relationship with our wives. I, I would I will grant that that's maybe historic and and maybe a classical. Not classical, but maybe let's say a, a way that civilizations around the world have developed, but it 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 it's, it it breeds something that can be very ugly and difficult. Yeah, Genesis society. three is also historical. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, yeah, and I think, and that's where Matt, you know, it, it's hard for me. Again, we've talked about this before, but it, the the cynicism and the sort of well contempt for the idea that there could be a loving husband wife. Uh, relationship that's that's Christian and and sort of mutually appreciative and biblical and all these things that that has like apparently to some of these people never existed. It's always been some sort of a front for patriarchal power. There's never been a a um, deep and abiding Christian friendship. It's just it's so contrary to my personal experience, both in my own marriage and then by extension the marriages of the friends and family for that matter that I have watched. I mean, they're not perfect people, but you know, both Laza and my parents both just celebrated their 50th wedding anniversaries. Um, they both got married in January 50 years ago, um, same year. And um, you know, watching them, watching the extended family now, not without exceptions, but but as almost the rule, um, live into something of this beautiful one flesh. Um, mutually submissive kind of biblical picture of of husbands um, loving their wives and wives respecting their husbands and all the picture like we get throughout the Bible, but particularly, you know, thinking about Ephesians 5 and and sort of in, uh, in particular is um, it's, it's like the people who are talking about this. They, it's, it's like they reject that or they 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 think it's all just a veneer of um you know, some sort of subtext for, for power. I mean, that's what it's all about. And it's just heartbreaking because, you know, yes, the, the Western civilization by and large was defined, you know, what they would say patriarchally, you know, I mean, women couldn't vote and they, um, they, you know, one of the halls of power and they were, you know, by and large, it was a, in a certain sense, uh, male dominated, but as a Christian society, that was very much qualified. Those men were qualified in, by commanding to lay down their lives for their wives as Christ loved the church, you know, commanded to not exasperate their children, commanded in a variety of ways to be self-sacrificial in a way that was actually quite beautiful. And so, of course, in a Christian marriage, 
there are going to be people who in their sinfulness or in their just outright disobedience abuse the grace of God, as Jude says. But by and large, we believe that there are people actually converted hearts where men were turned from their slovenliness and self interests to actually love their wives and children, meaning to lay down their lives for them. And that women in their contempt for mostly, you know, for, for fallen and unlovable men at times, nevertheless endeavored to respect and, and honor uh, these men. And that was a dance that, that actually works and it has worked. And, you know, the picture you're talking about Anne's parents uh, was a witness to that dance working. And it's, it's a sad rejection of it when people just sort of offhand uh, dismiss everything that came before the supposed you know, um, enlightened 1960s, where all of a sudden we realize that actually there's no difference between men and women. And to say there are in any capacity is to be some sort of misogynist. And, um, and this is the fruit we live in now, where even people who are attempting to have friendships outside of their marriage uh, are finding it impossible to do so without without the appearance or even the, maybe the actual reality of, of doing something wrong and and i don't know it's a it's a again like i said before damned if you do damned yeah, if you it's a real catch-22 because yeah, i don't know how you get out of it the same people who would question a man's motives in having a female friend outside of his marriage would also say that within the marriage, his motives are probably compromised too, because he's a man, he's larger and he's, you know, that no relationship across the sexes can escape the inherent power dynamics. There's, there's no way to be a man and actually love someone. You can only be hiding your power grab. (laughs) That's right. I mean, it's just so cynical and sad and, and ultimately uh, toothless, you know, I mean, this is what, like, we've, we've been talking about this for years now, but it's, it's, you know, there's a seething cope, you know, uh, that people, you can start just their ears are, are smoking when you just flat out reject all of that. And you say, you know, this is, we're men and women in the image of God. There's a clear biblical outline and model for how we're to interact. And you can say all you want. You can, you can impugn my motives or the motives of the, all these, and we just flatly reject it. And we'll continue to have um, our Christian marriages that will, you know, you will say are idolizing the family and we'll continue to have children and we'll continue to raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord in all of the ways that are triggering you, it turns out on Twitter and all the time. And we're going to talk about men and women in ways that are going to make you upset all the time. And so you can either stop listening to us or maybe come alongside and see what it's all about. But like in terms of actually affecting our or at least my, I shouldn't speak for y'all, um, day-to-day operating principles with respect to how Laz and I interact, how we understand our roles and responsibilities, how we uh, pray for each other and, and, and confess uh, to the Lord about failings and, and pray for hopeful healing. Um, none of this sort of supposed enlightened conversation has done anything, but, but if, if anything, it, it just, it's retrenched my position. It's like, I was like, I didn't know, I didn't know I felt so strongly about these things until they started explaining to me why I was wrong about all of them. And I was like, oh wait, actually you're, you're making my argument for me and you're helping me see that it was even more biblical and clear than I ever thought before. You know, I mean, it's like, we were laughing about this the other day that we were, um, Laz and I, uh, you know, we got married had been drinking, you know, this is almost 20 years ago, 19 years ago, this September, um, you know, we've just been drinking the water of kind of 
you know, that song from, what is it? Um, Anything you can do, I can do better. Remember that song was from uh, Andy Get Your Gun. Musical, Andy Get Your Gun. You know, and sort of, and I had been raised as sort of the Jesus meek and mild. And, you know, men were supposed to be in church, you know, like softer, quieter and um, nicer than they are. And that was basically what church is about. And women, you know, needed to be, because they, they had, of course, been historically oppressed at every moment of their entire existence up until yesterday, um, needed to be, and, and all the things, all the things. And we've laughed about it as we've gotten older. It's like we're being pushed like back in time. You know, it's like, I mean, we're not, you know, ready to join the front porch republic or anything, but, uh, you know, the actual experience of marriage, the actual uh, challenges of being a husband and a wife, the actual uh, responsibility of parenting, all these things have have sent us searching for help and guidance from the Lord through his word. And the fruit of that has been nothing but life-changing in almost every respect. And so all of the sort of arguments uh, to the contrary just fall flat because I'm sitting here saying, well, you know, I don't wish you any ill, but um, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord and we'll serve the Lord by modeling our lives as best we can along the lines that he's laid out for us in the scriptures, which include the fact that we are very suspicious of our own hearts and very suspicious of our of the, our good intentions, uh, which will continue to hopefully produce something of wisdom and prudence. You know, the Proverbs, I mean, the adulteress cries out in the street, son, you know, beware, you know, her enticements. It's like, well, that goes for men and women. And so I think that's that's the, the context within which the Billy Graham rule will, will continue to make sense um, until we're all redeemed. Yeah, I think that line from the Village Church's statement probably was inspired by a book that Annie Bird wrote who I, I personally know, and I think that personally, I, I, I think she's a wonderful, nice person. I don't agree with some of the ways that she's developed over the last few years, but she wrote a book about, you know, friendship between men and women and how that should be normalized in the church. And it sounds like Matt Chandler, uh, or at least the church elders have incorporated that into the way that they have you know, conceived of male-female relationships. And as we've been saying all along through this podcast, I think there's as much as I I like Amy Bird personally. I think that that's a, it's kind of a naive way of looking at uh, human relationships, at, at male-female relationships. But I also think that it, 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 making that a goal, uh, making it a goal to develop or cultivate a friendship with someone to whom you're not married, I think actually takes you away from the goal that you, if you're married, that you have as a vocation once you took those vows. Because, because once you took the vows, your vocation was that your wife, your husband should... Well, already, just because of your being bound together by your bodily in the flesh, you are already more vulnerable before that person than, than you are before anyone else in the whole world, hopefully. And so that that, that physical vulnerability and that physical you know, nakedness, I guess, you have with each other is, is not just supposed to be a physical nakedness. It's supposed to be a spiritual, emotional, every other kind of every other kind of intimacy you can have. And, and it, sometimes it's a struggle. I mean, I, I, Anne's my best friend. I know that our marriage, I think is probably, uh, I, I mean, from what I hear from other marriages, I, maybe ours is an ideal marriage. I don't know. I, I, I love, we have a great, we have a great friendship. I know it's harder for some other people, but that, but that is, if you want to cultivate something, if you want to cultivate friendship in your life and you're not friends with your wife or your husband, start there. I mean, the, the whole yes, purpose, this is, this is where, um, if, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and dwell by the Holy Spirit, God will help you. He wants you to be 
he wants you to have that with your with your husband or your wife. He wants you to have a relationship that will change you and change her and change him, whatever. whatever however, if you're a man or a woman, man or woman, he wants this relationship to be something that makes you more like uh, his son. He wants this relationship to make to to, to reflect more of, of of how Christ loves the church and the church trusts and respects right. Christ. So devote your life to that. That's your that is your vocation. That is your calling now. Um, and and if you have other if you have other acquaintances outside that, fine. But that's those are not your calling. Your calling is your husband or your wife. That's right. I haven't read Amy's book, but just in the most surface level, Haya has told me on multiple occasions that if her female friends talk to each other the way I talk to my male friends, they would never speak to each other again. They would be so, <laughs> so hurt and wounded. And so, you know, Matt Chandler, if, if he's really started to treat some woman as he would a guy friend, I'm not surprised that somebody else would be like, hey, that sounds really inappropriate. Probably was inappropriate, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and I, I don't even, I, I mean, you know, it's the phrase that overrealized eschatology here, like this unbelievably naive idea that somehow we will be transported by our common confession into a place where none of the um, realities of our fallen sinfulness will still remain, namely that somehow we will be trans, you know, where there will be no more giving and receiving a marriage in heaven, you know, we'll be brothers and sisters in Christ united around the table, like, amen and amen. This side of heaven, on the other hand, we are uh, still fallen creatures who are uh, the bundles of complexities and desires and unmet and met needs. And perhaps we shouldn't be too quick to, to assume that we now see through a glimpse clearly, you know. And so this idea that someday in heaven, you know, we don't know exactly what the heavenly economy will look like in that verse we could talk about. I know there's various interpretations, but at the very least, we know that sin that clings will no longer remain, which means that we can, in fact, engage in relationships with, with our wives or with, with our friends, much less those we don't know, in ways that, um, that we, can, we can long for. But we shouldn't pretend that this side of heaven, not that we can uh, without question, and that we should. I mean, I just think that's, uh, that's foolish. I mean, it's, it's, it's unwise. It's not prudent. And so, you know, I don't even know why. I mean, seems like the goal in this world, fractured and, and sort of lonely as it is, uh, would be just to have a friend, you know, like if just like, and then if you're married, you could have, you know, begin with your wife, as you said, but this idea that you would somehow have a goal of cultivating male female relationships seems, um, again, more like a virtue signal than an actual reality because i wonder at the end of the day how many you know uh, mixed fantasy football league teams there are in the village church or how many you know deep and abiding cross-sex relationships there actually are uh, particularly among christian married people who are endeavoring to be faithful to the vows they took i imagine it's it's very few and far between and i don't think that's so i don't think anything's wrong with that um, now, as you said, Nick, I think there's probably, hopefully, a lot of acquaintances, cross-sex acquaintances with people, either couple friends or, you know, friends of uh, your wife's that, you know, you you enjoy when she comes along for dinner or whatever the case may be. I mean, that's perfectly fine and natural and a good, healthy reflection of a non-predatory Christian environment where we do endeavor to see each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. But we shouldn't pretend that 
you know, there aren't some possible pitfalls in that. And again, back full circle to the Billy Graham rule, that might be too far for some, but the spirit behind it, I think, is is warranted and valid and should be at least considered by any uh, Christian man, married or not, at, at this point uh, in our cultural reality within which we live, where none of the other norms uh, that were present are are still in, erected. So basically, we have to guard ourselves uh, against ourselves for the sake of those who we purport to love, i.e. neighbor. Well, we certainly are called to love and pray for our neighbors. We pray for Matt Chandler, for this woman, for that church, that this would all be worked out, forgiven. And if people need to be restored, people need to st- step down that the Lord's will will be done in the situation. We do thank you for listening to stand firm this week. If you want to keep the conversation going with us, you can be in touch. You can rate and review the podcast on iTunes, send us an email at mailbag at standfirminfaith.com or join the Anglicans for the gospel Facebook group. Thank you to JD Coke and Matt Kennedy. I'm Nick Lannon and Lord willing, we'll be back next week until then by the grace of God and Jesus Christ. We'll be standing firm. Mm-hmm.